Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. My name is Katie Owens with the Healthcare Experience Foundation. At Healthcare Experience Foundation, I get to serve as our co-founder and president. For those of you new to a Healthcare Experience Foundation webinar, we focus our, our time and attention on creating learning experiences to equip environments of care where every person has that opportunity to both deliver and receive the best healthcare experience. And that starts with creating a culture that engages leader, staff, and physicians so that they are best positioned to ensure excellent and consistent patient and family experiences. So welcome to today's topic. One of the things that we focus on when we plan our webinars are where are we seeing across the country um, organizations asking for the highest degree of support and assistance? One of those topics is how do we restore a culture of trust and confidence in the workforce? And we're reminded by a quote by Judith Glazier, who's a, a, a the late Judith Glazier, um, who wrote a book on conversational intelligence. And, and at the core of our work, it's the quality of the culture depends on the quality of the relationships, which depends on the quality of the conversations. Um, I know one of you who are registering for today's session said, please don't talk about throwing another pizza party. Um, And the reality is, it is extraordinarily challenging right now. We were just um, doing a coaching session with a frontline clinician who shared uh, very, very um, tragically and also fortunately over the weekend that her nurse manager um, suffered a stroke while at work. Unfortunate because this leader was under an an extraordinary amount of, of stress and duress managing three units because of the staff, the known staffing, global known staffing challenges. And, you know, as the the blessing or the silver lining, it happened on the shift. So the team was able to immediately jump into action. And so as we look to pivot forward and focus on the neuroscience of trust, there is an extraordinary power in, in senior leadership and executive visibility to restore purpose and confidence at a time when when it feels that all of our wells are are running pretty low. And so we have three goals for our time together today. First of all, we want to acknowledge the current state. Second, discuss the dynamics of trust and your ability as a leader to have a powerful influence. The, The term is known as executive amplification, where as a leader, as an executive, you have the magnification of where you spend your time, how you plan your agendas, things that you laugh about, things that you bring up as a question. And those things are under a heightened degree of scrutiny because of your role in the leadership capacity. And not just your role in a leadership capacity, but how you work as a leadership or an executive team. And then look at high impact strategies for executive rounding. We've had the opportunity to coach over 200 senior teams as as individual contributors and as teams with their executive rounding. And it's pretty easy to tell quickly where a senior team is spending a lot of time and effort and energy and yet not seeing the outcome. And so we have some goals and, and 
objectives for today. We want to have some fun knowing that the current state is pretty challenging, focusing on the possibilities. And if you're able to chat any unique challenges or, or successes in your organizations, encourage some bold ideas to think through about pivoting forward, building on strengths. Hopefully this is a bit of a, a reprieve from your day and you're able to, to commit your attention and, and decide on hopefully at least three habits that you want to have as follow-up. So we had over 65 registrants by the time um, our session went live today, over 22 states. Um, here were some of your feedback points, um, sources of pride. And I know some of you are able to join live and some are attending on demand. Um, the pharmacy's role during the pandemic, initiating vaccine clinics and fusion clinics with, you know, as we have seen, extraordinarily limited staff, keeping our team members safe through COVID the resilience and innovation that's come from our teams, finding new and innovative ways to keep the family involved in patient care. Um, and now I know we were just uh, on site in a number of different organizations in the last two weeks, the new pressure that our frontline staff have, having to explain mask requirements when we've seen big changes in, in traveling. And if we're traveling with you know, the option of, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask on airplanes. And so just the communication pressures our frontline staff are under are fairly staggering. Um, surviving COVID uh, and the great resignation, one of you shared, exceptional care in spite of the challenges. Uh, one organization shared, we're so proud that we're not using agency. No serious safety incidents in the past 164 days and keeping the culture positive. Uh, under the greatest challenges, some themes really emerged in your feedback. Employee engagement. I had the opportunity to present with my colleague, Dr. Cindy King, last week at the National ASHRA Conference. And we had standing room only for our conversation around employee engagement and workforce morale. Um, staffing was the most frequently cited challenge that you shared, along with retention. I was on site with an organization that has over 70% year one turnover right now. Uh, a few weeks ago and, and looking at how do we uh, stop, you know, put a pause and buy ourselves more time to keep our, our team members longer by narrowing our front door and some really high profile re-engagement opportunities in that first year. Leadership turnover. I think we've all seen um, that frontline level of leaders turning over at an unprecedented rate and then we're backfilling those positions with perhaps the most excellent clinician that's now trying to, to Google their way through how to tackle tough leadership challenges. Stress and burnout, stress and burnout, we saw that a lot. Morale um, and retention, provider retirement, and the, you know combating the agency pay rates that we're not seeing a near-term solution for. So we also heard from you some areas of focus. Um, making rounding efficient and effective, not wanting to buy more pizza, which you know, one of the things that we've heard is, is we've connected with frontline caregivers at, at different, and studied their experiences throughout the pandemic is sort of that recognition of there was that call to arms early on in the pandemic. And there were things like um, meal vouchers and, you know, the, the recognition carts and, and the, the staff have recognized that there has been a, a slowing of that. And I think we're learning to you know, adjust the chronic nature of, of this, uh, the pandemic. And yet staff want to still feel that connection and that visibility to their leaders. 
Um, how to express gratitude when we're not able to do everything that the staff members are asking for. And we're going to make sure we spend time on these things. Um, and generational differences and expectations and, and getting the most out of senior leader rounding. So we've got a packed agenda for today. Um, we also have the opportunity through our partnership with PRC to be continually monitoring the workforce experience. And you know, it, early on in the pandemic, and we've continued to see this. In fact, I'm going to share with you the latest research from McKinsey and Company. 64% um, of employees said that they were planning to leave their job in 2020 because their leader failed to engage them. And you're going to see the continuity of that statistic. We know that you know from about 60% in 2019, now 91% of hospital executive teams are hiring traveling nurses, adding um, teleconsultation services, infusing with locums of key specialty areas, and you know, of course, the great resignation. 50% um, of nurses, though, who are reporting burnout are not planning to leave your organization from our national nursing study with PRC. And then why we call it the great compression. What about your patient volumes and acuities in your organization? And so we know the current landscape, as uh, one chief nursing officer said to me a few weeks ago on site, she doesn't feel like this is going to be resolved in her career as a CNO, and she is not retiring anytime soon. And so what are our known unknowns and our known knowns, and how do we adjust our style as senior leaders and as a team to do what we, what, as Theodore Roosevelt says, do what we can with what we have where we are. McKinsey found in their 2022 update of the healthcare workforce that the strongest drivers of intent to leave include insufficient staffing levels, seeking higher pay, not feel so those those are the, the pay factors, which we're going to get into in a moment, which are a tough question to practice for in your senior leader rounding. Not feeling listened to or supported at work and the emotional toll of the job. And so one question that I have that I can't answer for your senior teams is how often are we comfortable with the discomfort of asking our teams questions around these key influencers and drivers of intent to leave? Are we comfortable as a senior leadership team, not just a CNO or a chief medical officer, walking into a surgical unit and asking questions about how often we're feeling supported or at work? Or having employees talk with us about days they feel strongest with their emotional resiliency at work and the days they feel most exhausted by the emotional toll of the job. Because the chances are our clinician executives are much more comfortable in this space than our non-clinician executives. And how we're evaluated is as a senior leadership team and the visibility and the importance of, of how that how you as a team respond with visibility. And so where do we start? The national key drivers of employee engagement have been pretty stable throughout the pandemic with one notable exception. Trust in senior leadership has maintained the number one key driver, followed by communication between departments, having access to training and resources. And yes, this is still during the pandemic. And then as I was connecting with Dr. Cindy King, who, re who leads, um, employee and physician engagement solutions for PRC has noted in the research that perceived pay fairness 
has now emerged as a key driver. And, and I have grown up coaching over the last 12 years of healthcare organizations across the country. And as our team at Healthcare Experience Foundation over the last five years, the pay was never a key driver. And it's not the best, having the best pay or being the market leader in pay. What it is, is perceived pay fairness. And so much of that is how we communicate and how we set the expectation and how we equip our frontline leaders to team in this new normal with their permanent and their temporary staff. And so as we focus on speed to trust, as a senior leadership team, it's both that responsibility and that opportunity for the the competency and the process to maximize our senior leader rounding. And so one question, and and this is gonna be uh, sizable regardless of if if you represent, we know we have a number of critical access hospitals and community hospitals and um, academic medical centers joining today. So we have a lot of uh, diversity in healthcare settings is regardless of the size of your organization, what is the distance that gets between you and where care gets delivered? And how do we close that gap? And and the uncomfortable reality of that is that it's through visibility. We build trust. And when people first meet us, they're sizing up two things in the first 15 seconds. And that's can they trust and respect us? And it's done out of the most, it's done out of our amygdala, the most primitive part of our brain. And we have to find ways to expand our visibility. And so how do we get to trust? There's some really um, valuable research coming out of Northwestern University that when we are trying to um, build trust, when we're trying to restore from a breach of trust, and and every senior team, every senior leader that I've largely 99% of the time worked with had above reproach um, values dedication to the organization, commitment, and and honest caring and compassion for the workforce. The challenge is your number of senior leaders and the scale and magnitude of your organizations. And so how we make that visible and connect and bridge the gaps, it's through the relationships and those conversations can't be delegated. And we've seen this in organizations where information flowing through the managers and directors ranks sometimes gets distorted. And so how we form our impressions around trust, it begins, but it doesn't necessarily end with competence. This is where I'm not going to go to my mechanic and ask my mechanic about, um, you know, any cardiac issues that might run in my family. And I'm not going to go to my uh, son's teacher at school and ask them about a car repair. We we judge competence in in perspective and with context. Then it builds on, but it's baseline. We want to have the the belief that the individual that we are working with is capable. Remember, can we trust and respect someone? And then it's built and bridged on, do I believe this person acts with honesty and integrity? And if you are having to work through leaders or if you're a a frontline leader representing your senior team, um, as I know there's some frontline leaders also on this call today, it's how we then represent senior leaders and and do we represent them as, as, as we and as our leaders or do we represent them as they? We are more likely to forgive a breach of competence 
if we believe somebody is being honest and acting with integrity. And then most sizable of all and carrying the highest degree of weight and influence is beneficence. Do I feel that this person is acting in my best interests? And if trust and senior leadership is your number one key driver of workforce engagement nationally, that has to be earned as individuals and as a senior team. And so many times we jump to the task and the interaction and with we miss that opportunity to convey, here's how we are making our best decisions with what we know. And, and here's how we are teaming with you based on your feedback. And so when we look at how we train individuals and executive teams on senior leader rounding, we, one of the things that we begin with is a, a framework for all visibility is typically good visibility. Um, what's bad visibility? It's if you're a senior leader and you're walking down the hall and you're paying more attention to responding to an email than engaging with eye contact. And I know masks are covering our micro expressions right now, but are we giving a, a warm hello to the people that we pass? Or are we mindful to, if we're walking down the hallway and we um, have to respond to that email and we know the urgency of priority, and I'm not trying to minimize that and the, the stress that senior leaders are under right now um, because we get to work with some really extraordinary ones. Do I pull myself aside and you know step aside from the hallway to respond to that text or that email? Because that might be the 15th person you've walked by. Chances are you're the first senior leader that they've seen today, or maybe even that week. And, and sometimes that's generous given the size of, I know some of your organizations on the call today. So an average framework, you know, as a, a team, we're rounding as often as possible. It's the inevitable PR visit. It's the drop in on a way to another appointment. I worked with a really great chief operating officer on, on his senior leader rounding. Um, and he was so proud that every day on his way to another appointment, his rounding through the OR was knocking on the glass, waving, giving everybody, a, you know, is it, is, it, is it a good day? And then keeping going. And I know some of you are on the call thinking, wow, how did he not know that the OR staff were really rolling their eyes? He had the best of intentions. And so oftentimes we evaluate ourselves by our intentions and we are evaluated by others based on a whole other host of factors like, why doesn't he just come in? And the reality is he does not have a clinical background. He wanted to be visible and he was a little nervous. And so we buddied him up with the chief nursing officer and that greatly improved their confidence that when he's making decisions in partnership with the CFO around capital needs, that he had an understanding of the day-to-day -day issues that that department faces. Problem-focused. So many times staff say they feel like they hear from a senior leader when something's wrong. And many times that's deeply rooted in, in our need to do regulatory or safety preparedness rounds where it's spontaneous and the leader and the employees aren't prepared. It's siloed. So I might round as the CFO in my areas like accounting and purchase services and materials management. The CNO might be rounding in their areas. You've got physician practices, you know, administration rounding just in the clinics. And we're, we miss that opportunity to round as a team. 
have HR go around in a med surge unit, have the CFO go around in the NICU. The department leader is not aware or present. How many of us in our careers ever got completely superseded by a senior leader who rounded in our area, we weren't there. And then all of a sudden, that senior leader was almost a white knight that came in and fixed something that I, you know, I or you might have been trying to solve for the last five years. And so it's done as, as a collaborative effort. Sometimes we leave off positions and advanced practice providers and that focus on our area. And so how do we help senior teams evolve to more of a best in class where we're able to see traction with outcomes? It's purposeful. It's focused on building the positive, building the relationships. Each senior team member is, is using a consistent area of focus and a coordinated communication message. And it's typically timed by key milestones. So the employee engagement survey results are out, or you just got your physician engagement results, or we're preparing for you know, a, a key milestone or an anniversary in our healthcare system, or, or maybe there's been a, a really notable serious safety event and we're rounding around our message around safety. As a senior leader, one of my responsibilities was, was doing rounding in our organization. And we had a, a really, really horrible incident uh, affecting two employees over a period of a few weeks. And so we were rounding on making sure our employees knew about safety practices. We rounded with a, an executive team after a, a, a couple, unfortunately, this has happened a few times, suicides that happened on the floors and making sure that we're checking on the staff. And it's not just one senior leader. It's making sure that we're doubling down on our rounding when it matters the most. The team knows that you're coming. They know the questions you're going to ask. This isn't a surprise pop quiz. The results of the rounding are shared because you might be rounding in, in 50 departments over a period of six months. How do those departments know the larger rounding strategy? It's part of a larger executive visibility effort. So there's some really um, valuable ways that you can tie in rounding with um, town halls and forums and other virtual communications. And all executives are engaged in rounding and visible in all areas. And so when we teach uh, this rounding, and I want to hit a few high points, there's three pretty basic steps. Of we're planning, it's intentional, we're executing the round, and we're engaging in what we see most senior teams skip, which is reflection. As adult learners, we learn through reflecting on our interactions and sharing as a team. And so we want to make the personal connection. We want to visibly demonstrate our appreciation, and that comes from having teamwork with that department leader. We're connecting the rounding to your mission, vision, goals. We're sharing why it's important. We're going to their space. As one of the most valuable leadership attributes is vulnerability and humility. We're opening with that. We're sending the director's questions ahead of time. We're scheduling based on when it's best for that department. And, and we're scheduling it bi-directionally. One of the, the missing links that we've uncovered over the years is we also teach executive assistants how to conduct the rounding so that they're able to help maintain that schedule. We're sharing the findings as a senior team and we're committing to follow up. And we're letting the department manager get the win so that we're not coming in to fix it. We're coming in in partnership with that department leader to help fix it. 
And so here are some tips because we know that we all, senior leader rounding also opens us up to that vulnerability and it opens us up to um, some of the difficult things that employees may say. We're remembering to buy ourselves time and space and to, to focus on what the employee is saying and most importantly, the emotion behind what that employee is saying. Your role is listening and empathizing. It's not necessarily about fixing in the moment. As they're talking, thinking about what are their likely needs, emotions, and goals. That helps us empathize versus judge and defend. Taking notes. As simple as that sounds, buying yourself time and writing down what you're saying because I want to remember it and it's really important to me and I value what you're you're sharing with me. It's important. We're listening to learn and grow, not respond. And the goal is understanding. It's not about administration being right. It's not about us being wrong. It's about finding a solution. And that we recap, let me give this back to you. Let me make sure I've understood this. Um, And if you're on the receiving end of a laundry list of problems, we always recommend tossing it back to what are two possible ideas that you have? What are two things that we might be able to consider as a senior team and make this issue better. And as a a general life tip, and and we do a lot of work with physician leaders and and physicians and advanced practice providers, if you find yourself getting defensive, double down on listening. Tell me more about that. Thank you for sharing. And if a conflict emerges, you know, this comes back to conversational agility, bringing it back to what we both care about, which is patient care. Because it's really easy to not speak up. And we want to create a climate that has that degree of psychological safety where people don't want, you know, feel safe to say that they they don't understand, they don't agree, because nobody wants to be perceived as ignorant. So they may not ask the questions. They may not want to be perceived as intrusive and not feel that their ideas are valued or be perceived as negative and, and judged. And so as a, a senior leader, that most important responsibility through rounding is to make it safe. Thank you all so much for being generous with your most precious resource, your time. We hope this has been of value to you today. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. With today's episode teaming with PRC. To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.